Hey, good morning, everyone. Come on, how many love Jesus today? Anybody love Jesus in here this morning? My goodness, we're so happy that you're here. Man, Wake Conference, is, it was incredible. It is incredible. And you know what? I'm just so thankful that we have uh, pastors that believe in the next generation. It's, it's, it's not like that everywhere. And, he, you know, Pastor gave us an entire weekend to build up inspire, pray with, encourage the next generation. And it's been so awesome seeing what God has done. And we know it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of what God's going to do. And uh, today I have the, the opportunity, if you don't know me, my name is Mark McGaffin. I'm a student ministries pastor here. And uh, I don't take it lightly to get the opportunity to, to speak with you. And it's such an honor that Pastor Jerry would give me this chance. And so today um, we're just kind of living off this afterglow of man conference was incredible. Um, it was everything we prayed for and more. And, uh, you know, if you're watching online, hey, thanks for joining us today. You could be anywhere this fine Sunday morning, but you're right here online at Higher Vision Church. Church, can we welcome our online campus today? Wow. From all over the place. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, conference, I'm just going to be honest with you, conference has kind of consumed our team's lives. Uh, the last six months or so we've been working and internship volunteers just putting in all this time and, uh, just to be honest with you, sometimes when that happens, um, things at home get a little bit crazy. <laughs> and uh, just last night, I, I got home and um, just checking on the kids. They were, you know, my, my son Xavier and Zion were just out, you know, doing their thing, fortnight and up and all this kind of stuff. I was like, hey, guys, how's it going? They're going good. And I, I was like, I'm going to go to your room. And they both had this concerned look on their face. And, um, and uh, they tried to beat me to the room. And... I walked back there, and I opened the door, and I tried to step, but I was so concerned about what was going to happen to me if I put my foot down, because everywhere I looked, there was something on the floor. I don't know if we have any parents in here who have ever experienced this before, but it's like things were everywhere they shouldn't be, and everywhere I didn't know how they could be. I was looking around, I was like, how did you fit a toy there between that space? How, how... How is it possible that every article of clothing that you have is on the floor? How is this, how is this physically possible? And I'm just looking and scanning the room, and I turn at my kids like this. I said, what is wrong with you? Who taught you to live like, like this? I started, I started sounding like my mom and dad when I was growing up. I did not bring you up to act this way. How could you do this? I'm telling you, everywhere. There wasn't, there wasn't, their beds weren't even on the frames. It looked like they had a Royal Rumble in there, throwing each other back and forth. They had an all-out battle in their room. It was so chaotic. I was concerned for my well-being. I didn't care so much for them. I didn't want to get hurt by going in there. I didn't know if I would come back. It was chaos. It was confusion. It was horrifying. I looked around and I was like, okay, boys, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. How could you? This is what we're going to do. I can't emotionally handle this right now. We're going to do a hard reset tomorrow. And we're going we're gonna to start fresh. And we're going to make sure this room is nice and wonderful. And we got to get rid of the chaos, kids. And they just looked at me and said, Hey, Dad. 
will try. I was like, we don't want you to try. We want you to do it. And I was just thinking about, it was so chaotic. And I was, and as I was thinking about what to share the last couple weeks, this word just kept coming back to me because our world is so full of chaos right now. I mean, I don't know if you, if you check out the news every so often. I mean, it's hard to find a story that's not full of chaos, uh, whether that's um, here locally or nationally or politics or whatever. It seems like chaos is flooding into every aspect of our world. There's chaos everywhere, chaos in the schools, chaos at our jobs, chaos in relationships, friendship. People, people are hurting. It's, it is, it's amazing how much chaos is in the world. There's chaos when it comes to our own beliefs and opinion. There's this turmoil, this confusion. And, and chaos means this. It means extreme confusion or disorder. And here's what I understand, okay? I mean, I'm not going to act like I know everything because I definitely do not. But this is what I do know, is that there are some things that happen in my life and in yours that we have absolutely no control over. I mean, you, you cannot control how people drive in the rain. And some of you know that by experience getting here today. You cannot control how many times you get cut off. It just happens. It's People being people, life being life. Some things just happen not because you did anything. It's just because this life is just happening. Good, sometimes not so good, sometimes somewhere in between. It's just happening, this chaos around us. Then there's also things that, that are happening. Let's be clear, there are some things that happen because there is a thief. The Bible talks about in John 10.10 10, that a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy, but I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I just want to set this up before we really we jump in today because I think it's important that we understand what team we're on. It's very important. Sometimes this kind of just creeps into our our view of, of life and of God and our relationship. I just want to set this this up so we can move on the father and the thief are not on the same team they're not they they are not uh, on on this spiritual tag team where where god is is using the enemy as a teacher i want to encourage you today that the, the Father God does not use the enemy as a teacher. If, if so, then why would he have to send his Holy Spirit to teach, instruct, and in help? The, the, the Father, it says that every good and perfect gift is from a good and perfect good. If you see something good, rest assured the Father is at work in your life. Just the same if they're stealing, killing, and destroying. It's not the Father at work. It's the thief. The thief at work. We have to, we have to really understand this because... Some situations, it's because life is just happening. Some situations, it is because the thief is at work. I mean, I, I, I'm in youth ministry, been now for about 14 years, and I, it's amazing. I have the opportunity to pray with junior hires, high school, college, young adults, everything in between and over and under. And, and sometimes they'll come up and say, hey, Pastor, can, can you pray with me? I'm like, absolutely. What, what's going on? What can I pray? Well, the, the devil's really attacking me right now. Let's pray about that going on the devil's really attacking my grades you should see him at work on my report card my parents are mad at me they should be mad at the devil because my math grades I'm not passing algebra and the enemy's really riding my back right now 
He's stealing my grades. He's destroying my GPA. The devil's at work in my life, Pastor, and we need God to do something about it. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, if you didn't study for your test, I don't know if we can blame that on the enemy. Maybe it's, it's not so much somebody else's fault or just life happening. It might not even be the enemy's fault. Maybe it's something else. We give the enemy a lot of credit sometimes for things he really probably didn't have anything to do with. Um, there's an enemy at work, but we also find that in our lives that God has given us this divine ability to choose a path that we take. It's a powerful thing because no other, no other creature that God created has this ability to choose a path like you and I do. None. Watch Deuteronomy says this. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you. I place before you. He's putting it before you. He's putting it before me. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children would live. Sometimes in life, the, the path I take is the path I choose. God didn't force me down a path. It's a, something that, that I chose. And, and just as quickly at times, I've found that joy and passion and excitement explodes into every area of my life. I've also found that just as quickly as that happens, also confusion, disorder, and chaos can explode into my life as well. And sometimes the path that, that I choose, that we choose, takes us and leads us to a bad end. Like a choice we didn't know that would, it would end up the way that it did. Like if, if I knew when I made this choice, it would lead me to here. I never would have done that. I never would have said that. I never would have made that business deal. I never would have started that small business. I never would have purchased this land. I never would have chosen this career. I never would have made this social choice. I never would have made this choice for my health. I never would have chosen this relationship. I, if I knew it was going to end up like that, I never would have dated the guy. I never would have dated the girl. I, I, I didn't know it was going to be like that. And if I did, I would not have chosen to begin with. And sometimes it's the choices that we choose. And this is the really interesting thing to me is that it can be a small choice. A lot of us, we look at the big choice. It's like, man, there's this huge decision that changed everything. And maybe that's correct at times, but a lot of times in our lives, it's small choice after small choice after small choice that stacks up and creates this huge impact in our life. And if we could, like, how did I get here? If we would take a, a, a really... Um, good look at our small choices, we could trace it all the way back. It was this one choice that set me down a path. And if I wouldn't have made that choice, I wouldn't be standing here today. I never knew that it was going to lead me to this chaotic place that I never anticipated. I never thought that I would be here in my family. I never thought that I would be in this place of chaos in my marriage. On somebody. I never thought that I would be in this place of chaos in my business. I never thought I'd be in this place of chaos in my relationship with my son or my relationship with my daughter. I never thought I would be right here where I'm at. What we find is that chaos is really interesting because it's confusion and disorder that chaos will continue to rule in life until order is enforced. So let's, let's, let's look at it like this. If if my finances are out of order, 
chaos is in authority. If, if, my, if my marriage is out of order, then chaos is in authority. If my family's out of order, then chaos is in authority. If my life is out of order, then chaos is in authority. Let's just, let's just take it all the way home right here. If church is out of order, then chaos is in authority. And chaos, it, it only grows. It doesn't grow weaker. It grows stronger the more authority that it's given. But the cool thing about God is this. Even all the way at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, it says this. The earth was a shapeless, chaotic mess. How, Genesis 1.1. The earth was a chaotic mess. And then God spoke order and said, let there be light. God speaks and order comes to the chaos. He brings authority to the chaos. It's the coolest thing about God to me because even here in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of chaos. If there's chaos in your life right now, it is not the Lord at work. Because he is the author of what? Peace. He is the author of order. He is the author of peace, not of confusion, not of chaos. And all over scripture, it's so cool to me that, that we see story after story of God giving opportunities for people to emerge in the midst of chaos. For some in scripture, you find it when people emerge in this, he, it's like he puts order right in the middle of chaos. It's people like Daniel who they say, don't pray. And he stands in the midst of chaos and says, I'm not going to stop praying and believing. Do what you will with me. It's, it's people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they tell them to bow and they won't bow. They stand bold in the midst of chaos and say, I will stand for order. But then the Bible also shows us other people in Scripture who didn't just righteously stand up against disorder and chaos and confusion. It shows people like Moses who may be one of the top leaders in history, history, one of the most well-known people in Scripture. Amazing things done in his life, and he did incredible things for God, and his story was not just a story of this noble man standing in order and chaos. Actually, Moses' life is rather chaotic and rather confusing. Moses starts his life, he's born, and he's hidden for months in a basket, behind a corner, behind a refrigerator. His identity's hidden, so he wouldn't be seen. His purpose is hidden. His destiny's hidden. His greatness is hidden. Moses is born in a, in a, into chaos, and he himself now is living a chaotic life. It's so chaotic, and it's so dangerous that Moses, the best his mom could do is like, maybe if I put him in a, in a basket and float him down a river. That's a better future for my son because it's so chaotic. This is my last chance to try to save him and just we're just going to leave it up to the river and hopefully he'll be okay. It's the best option we have because it's so chaotic for us and it's chaotic for Moses, but a good thing happens. He gets found by the Pharaoh's daughter and he is a, he's, a, he's adopted into the royal family and things are looking great for Moses, but the problem is is that he's a Hebrew by birth but an Egyptian by situation. Talk about confusing. Talk about chaos. Living like royalty while your people are in slavery. Trying to figure out which God am I supposed to serve? Which culture do I adhere to? How am I supposed to live with this tension between 
going on in my heart. There's so much chaos, so much confusion. He's so confused that scripture tells us that he, in a moment of being so angry about what's happening to his people, he takes matters into his own hands and by mistake kills a man. I mean, I've made some mistakes, but I haven't made that mistake, right? And so he accidentally kills a guy and now he's running away, an enemy of the state, a murderer. Now he's confused. Life is chaos. And he leaves Egypt a confused failure. And now he's trying to reset his life. i got to find a place where they don't know me like that so I can kind of get a fresh start. I can get that reset. I, I, I can do something, and maybe I can start over. About 80 years old when he sees a fire off in the distance in the desert. This fire catches his attention because the fire will not burn out. And he goes to get a closer look. And of all things, this bush begins to speak to him. Which is interesting enough, but then it turns out this voice is God, and, and God begins to tell him, hey, I've, I've made you something special. He begins to speak to his purpose, why he was born, why he was created. He begins to speak to his potential. It seems like God is obsessed with that in Scripture. I'm going to speak to who I made you to be, not who they said you you were. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to call you out from who you've been into who I've made you to be. And he does this for Moses. So Moses has this emergence that takes place and he himself now is breaking free of the internal chaos and God sends him back to the chaos of Egypt. In scripture, Egypt is, a, is a really a close look, a type and shadow of what the world is. That's how we look at it. Egypt was the world system and Egypt is a place of absolute chaos. So God sends him back, and this miraculous thing takes place in Exodus where miracle after miracle, and you may know what he said, but this is pretty famous. He says, let my people go. Some of you guys have seen that one, yeah. Let my people go, and Pharaoh won't. And so we see miracle after miracle until they negotiate the, the freedom of the Hebrew people. Miracles don't stop there. This is amazing. They, they escape armies. They they cross a Red Sea, miracle after miracle happening for God's chosen people. But by Exodus 16, they're wishing they were back in the chaos of Egypt. There's been miracle after miracle. And now they're saying, could we have just stayed there? Can we just stay there in the chaos of, of Egypt? I just wish we could go back. And it's clear, it's so clear that they embraced the chaos so much because they forgot about God's current promises. They forgot about God's miracles right up to that point and said, we should just go all the way back to how it was. See, Moses is famous for saying, let my people go. But as I read through Exodus, all I see God saying is, Israel, let the chaos go. It took God nothing. See, this is what we have to understand. It, God is not expending energy in our life. It takes God nothing to do everything. And God, it took him nothing to get them released from Egypt. It took them, him nothing to release miracles on their journey. It took him nothing to release them from the chaos that they were living in. But he could not make his chosen people let go of the chaos on the inside. They were stuck with where they had been were God's chosen people, but they lived in a place they were only meant to be strangers in. They began to compromise and even fit in at times. We see, we got to be careful when we compromise to fit into the chaos. We got to be careful. 
We got to be careful because you can't, you can't run with the angry and expect to be happy. I wish I was happier. Well, who are you running with? I, 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 you, you cannot expect to be happy living with the angry. You cannot run with the confused and expect to have purpose. You can't run with the bitter and expect to have joy. You can't run with the gossip and expect to be a person of honor. You can't run with the blind and expect to have a vision for your life. You can't run with the defeated and expect to live victorious. You cannot run with the chaos and expect to experience emergence. See, we, we preach this to young people, but we miss this message with adults. But it's the same thing. We are, like right now, I'm, I'm 34 years old, but in me is still a teenager. I'm still there. I'm still the same person. I've grown up, wise up. That's great. But the, the same rule applies. Who I run with as a father matters. Who you run with as a mother or an aunt or wherever, that matters. That's such a great impact on your life. Because who we run with, you are directly affected by the people you surround yourself with. Look no further than the Hebrews. Look no further. They were so deeply affected. And this is the whole thing. We, we preach to it, young people, and, and somehow we, we lose this in translation at times. But we preach, hey, you got to get accountable. Teens, come on. You're 12 years old. Get accountable. You're, you're 13. Get accountable. Hey, you're 20. Get accountable. And then something happens along the way we don't think that these, these, are, these are foundational things that matter to us as people and followers of Christ. We got to get around accountable people. If, if your closest relationships aren't accountable and don't believe in accountability, I'm telling you right now, God can't teach you anything if you think you know everything. We got to get around people that are going in the same direction in, a, in our lives, who you run with matters. And now Moses, this great leader, his biggest obstacle isn't Pharaoh anymore. That's who he was worried about. He was worried about Pharaoh. That's not his biggest obstacle now. I'm sure he was worried about the armies chasing him. That's not his biggest obstacle now because God took care of it. I'm sure when they stepped up to the sea, he's like, this is my biggest obstacle. But that's not his biggest obstacle anymore. His biggest obstacle is this. Dealing with over a million and a half people that don't know who they are because now they identify with chaos. Now they identify with confusion. They're lost. They don't know who they are. The children of Israel lost who they were. In exchange uh, they to the, for the desire to fit into a society of chaos, they were only meant to be strangers in. They're lost and confused. And chaos only makes way for more chaos. It only makes way for more. It doesn't, it doesn't get better once chaos is in authority. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. Chaos doesn't just stay in one area. Like, it, it, it sprouts roots into your whole life. I mean, it may start with chaos in your finances, but unless we get some authority in there, that chaos usually spreads into our marriage too. Chaos begins to spread. We... And it begins to move all throughout our life, and we have to understand this. Then when, we're, when chaos begins to move, it becomes to be part of, this is just maybe who I am. I mean, all my family, for, for, since I can remember, all we've ever known is debt. All we've, all we've ever known is lack. This, maybe, maybe, this is just, maybe this is just who we are. 
Maybe this is God's best. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't make, I don't, I'm not good at making friends. I, maybe, maybe that's why I can't connect. And, and this is just who I am. I'm always going to be an outsider. I'm always going to stand at the back and never jump in. I'm always, I'm always just going to be looking into what's going on. This is just maybe who I am. I've messed up so much. My life is so chaotic. I'm messy. There's so much confusion about me. And I, it seems like I, I, I do good and then I, then I mess up and I, and I do okay, but I, I mess up even more. Maybe this is just who I am. This is maybe how I should identify. Maybe this is how my life is. Maybe I am supposed to be in this confused state. Maybe this is just how God made me. Confusion and chaos has a way of making us feel trapped. But it's, it's not like a, you're trapped in a wide open space. It's like you're, you're trapped and the walls keep closing further and further in. Confusion and chaos has a way of making us feel confined, covered up, concealed, making us feel like there's no way that we could ever break out of this cycle that we're in. Just stuck here in this place. Chaos continues to rule until there is an emergence. I really believe that the thing that, that put you in a position that you're in doesn't have to become the reason you stay in that position of chaos. I believe there can be an emergence. Israel embraced the, the chaos because they forgot the promises. They forgot. They forgot the promises of God and now they've embraced this. But today, as a, maybe as an individual, and once we make this decision as an individual, can we make this uh, decision as a church that that won't be us I will not forget the promises of God because of the chaos around me. I will not forget what God said just because of the chaos in my family. I'm not going to forget what God has promised me just because everything doesn't look the way I want it to look. I am not going to forget what God has said. I'm not going to forget it. I'm not going to forget it. This, this is one of my, my favorite scriptures right now. I want to share it with you today. I read across this and I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Psalm Six, uh, Psalm 18, 19 through 21. Check this out. It says, but me he caught. We can stop right there and have church for the rest of the day. But me he caught. Anytime I've felt confused, I don't know if you've ever felt this way before, it almost feels like it's a free fall. And you have nothing to grab onto and you're just falling and falling and falling. But me he caught. I, I like this. I, I hope you do too because we look across scripture and for some reason we think that all these people in the Bible are like superheroes. And they weren't like real humans. They were like superhuman. This is amazing. Like, wow, the, well, the reason, well, the reason that happened for Esther or the reason that happened for David or the reason that happened for Paul is because they're in the Bible. They don't live in Santa Clarita. They, they lived in scripture. It's like this magical place. It's not real life. No, friend, they had amazing stories. The Bible shows you the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. Shows you God's promise. Shows you people when they walk away. Here's the thing. Every person in the Bible, they're amazing. Yes, but they are people. They're people just like you. They're people just like me. Some see more, more uh, far along in their journey with Christ than others, but they are people just like you and I. And here's the thing. When they were falling in Scripture, they were caught. I just want to encourage you today. He's catching you. I don't know what your family looks like in 2019 so far. God's got you. He is catching your marriage. 
He is catching your kids. He is catching your family. He is catching you, but me he caught. That's a promise for you for your life. If you feel like you're in free fall, he's catching you. He's catching you. He is catching you. It says this, but me he caught. He reached all the way from the sky to the sea. He pulled me out of that ocean of hate, that enemy chaos, that enemy chaos, that voice of confusion, that voice of disorder that's distracting you and trying to conceal, confine, cover up who God made you to be. He's reaching in and pulling you, pulling you. The void of which I was drowning that enemy chaos hit me when I was down. I don't know about you, but sometimes life, it's like, man, I'm, I'm, I've hit the ground. I don't know if you ever felt like this, but I sure have. It's like, I'm already on the ground. You don't have to keep kicking me. Has anyone ever felt like life is just stomping you out? It's like, hey, uncle, I give. I'm, I'm tapping out. You don't have to hit anymore. You win. Let go. It's just over and over. Oh, are they still breathing? Over. It's unrelenting. Scripture says this, that unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. We're on the ground and we have a sick heart. If you are sick in the center, nothing can make sense. And life continues battling and hitting you over and over and over. But watch this. I love it. But God stuck by me, man. He stuck by me. See, it's when we are on the ground where we really find out what we're made of. That's when we say the things we don't want anybody to hear. That's when we tell God what we really think. That's when our prayers get really raw, real, and authentic. And even in those moments when you're down, he sticks by you. God is not intimidated by your situation. He's not intimidated by your dirt. He's not intimidated by the chaos. He's sticking by you. Sticking by you. Sticking right there. It says that, but God stuck by me. Confusion could be raging and crashing against you, but he says just like he did in Genesis, let there be light. It's time to emerge. It goes on to say this. Then he stood me up on a wide open field. I don't know about you, but this is like, this verse is full of the coolest promises. This is probably one of my favorite in all of Scripture. Because when you're, when you're sitting in an ocean of hate with the enemy called chaos, where you feel confined, surrounded in every space in your life, God says he's going to pick you up. He's going to bring you to a wide open field. That's amazing. Why? Because it's, 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 so, it's so incredible. He's bringing you out of confinement. He's removing boundaries. He's removing barricades. And he's moving you into a place that is expansive, that's wide open, so you can live the life that he's called you to live. Amen. He's moving you out from where you're at into where he's called you to be. It says there then, he, I stood there in that wide open field, saved and surprised to be loved. I, I, I read this as a warning because he reached down, he caught me, he picked me up, and then now I'm standing, but I stood there saved and I was surprised to be loved. You see the effect that chaos has in our life? We just got saved, and I, I mean, I'm of the opinion if someone saves you, they must love you. But now chaos has this way of lying to us and confusing us. 
standing there loved. Chaos can try to confuse you how much you're loved, but when you know who you are, everything changes. You're not trying to get loved. You are loved. That's who you are. You're loved. You're loved. This is so crazy because God, God, he, he's, he's, so, he's so incredible that, that he is the source and the force that brings order to the chaos. But I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. He, he is the source and the force that speaks order to the chaos. The same, the same God that spoke order to the chaos in Genesis is speaking order to the chaos in your life today. And the, the amazing thing is this, that, that God's not, uh, Jesus is not in some mystical galaxy far, far away. You know, he's often never, never land. Floating with the tooth fairy and whoever else might be there. Him and Peter Pan are flying around and, wow, God is just so amazing. And he's just so, God is not some far away place. He is here. He is willing. He is able. And he is faithful to his promises and to his word. He is the source and the force to relieve the chaos and bring authority in order. See, he's providing moments of emergence, a, a moment where you can become awakened, a moment where you can become refreshed, renewed, revived, to stand up once again, to turn that thing around again, to finally get it right. He provides moments of emergence. You're like, well, Mark, that's fine, but that is impossible. It's impossible. You have no idea what my situation is. Impossible is only an opinion. That's not God's opinion about your life. That's not God's truth for your life. There is a way to emerge. If God is in your life, then it's not over. He has the last word. Listen, if he can give people in scripture another chance, he can give you another chance. If he can bring peace to the storm, he can bring peace to the storm in your life. If he can turn blindness into sight, if he can make the deaf hear, if he can bring the dead back to life, he can do in a moment what you could not accomplish in a lifetime. Surely he can do it for you. Surely he can. He can. What, what the enemy thought was going to finish you off is setting you up to have the greatest year of your life. This is the year of the turnaround. This is a year of the comeback. This is your year to emerge from chaos and become who God has made you to be. This is the year where you reject chaos and speak order to chaos. This is the year where you stand on God's promises and speak his word to the chaos and say, I declare order. In Jesus' name. See, I pray this year that you don't settle another day in your life and you begin to live like the son of God that you are, that you begin to live like the daughter of God that you are, that you become exactly who he made you to be and emerge from the chaos and know who you are. It's time to know who we are. Today, someone's going to emerge from abandonment. Today, someone is going to emerge from perversion or anger or confusion, from failure, from bitterness, from resentment, just emerging from the chaos. Maybe that chaos is around you, but perhaps the chaos is on the inside of you. I like this scripture here. Psalm 103, verse 2 says this, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Hey, I refuse to forget his benefits. 
I refuse to forget his promise. For my life, for my family, for my extended family, I refuse to forget his promise. Watch this. Isaiah 54.10 says this. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. No matter what you are facing, peace is the covenant that you carry. The Lord himself, it says, will go before you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. The Lord himself will fight for you. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. If God be for you, then who can be against you? You are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world that you have something to get excited about today. God is on your side. So today, no matter what life looks like, I, I just want to encourage you to go ahead and have a conversation with the chaos and say, hey, uh, hey, chaos, um, excuse me um, while I emerge. Um, yeah, I know you've been in my, my heart for a while. I know you've been in my family for a while, but I'm going to go ahead and say, excuse me while, while, I, while I emerge. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, excuse me while I get my family back. Yeah, yeah, excuse me while I get the relationship with my kids back. Yeah, excuse me while I get my family back, while I get my, my marriage back. Yeah, yeah I know chaos. I, 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 know, I know you've been here for a while, but excuse me while I get my health back. Uh, excuse me while I, while I get my life back. Excuse me while I get my, my purpose back. Excuse me while I get my vision back. Excuse me while I get my identity back. I know who I am because I know whose I am. Come on, won't you lift up a shout of praise this morning? It's time to emerge. It's time to emerge. No matter what you're facing. You say, well, I've got this. No, that's the problem. You don't got this. God's got this. God's got this. You've been doing it your way for far too long. Now it's time to say, I'm, I'm going to, God, I'm going to live by your word again. I'm going to speak your promises again. I'm going to rely on you again. Scripture says to cast most of your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Don't cast the ones that are really like your pet care. Keep that one. But everything else, give it to him. No, scripture says to cast all of your cares, every single one, even the ones you, you don't, you're afraid to say out of your mouth, but echoes in your heart. Every single one of your cares, it says that he caught me. I guarantee you, if you place it in his hand, he's going to catch it. He's not going to forget about you. He's got you. You're not trying to get loved by your heavenly father. You are loved. Today, would you bow your head and close your eyes?